Special edition. Special edition. For a special man. <laughs> uh, Are you talking about me? I, I am. Who, me? It is the Reverend James, Ra- James Rowell's birthday. It is my birthday. Today. We are recording on my birthday. And uh, he feels as young as he ever, as he ever has. Young and spry. Got a spring in my legs. Living mm-hmm. the dream, as I like to say. Do you are you a big birthday guy? Do you uh, like do you like are you like whatever? You didn't even think about it this week. Not really. No. I mean, you know, people are kind and yeah. I got a big family, so they recognize and mm-hmm. you know. But is it something that's like a big deal to me? Not yeah. not really. I think at our at my age, at our, I was gonna say our age. You're just a young buck. <laughs> at my age, you know those, like when you hit like a. A, a decade or something like that, maybe it matters. Or, mm-hmm. but for me, it's like. So we also have like McLean's birthday is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's your youngest daughter. Yeah, so our youngest daughter will be seven tomorrow, and so I'm always kind of like, all right, like let's get through this. But mm-hmm. she's like, it matters to celebrate her more. But than you two are gonna have like a. You're gonna share a pinata tomorrow. At the party. (laughs) No, we will celebrate tonight at my, we will go for dessert to my mom's house tonight. Oh. My parents and. uh, Nice. What's on the, what what, what will she make? Oh, there's a, uh, a peanut butter chocolate cheesecake thing that she makes. I bet it's for my birthday. That's pretty stupid. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's insane. Nice. It's delicious. Yeah. So we'll Mm -hmm. do that tonight. Um, and that'll be for both of us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but then, yeah, I don't know. It's for and me. You, your staff treated you today. My staff treated our staff treated us me to a lunch. Yes, delicious and yes. Uh, a cake. Yes. So I've already eaten. I've already done that. Like you know, I don't eat cake most days, but you know, let's do it twice today. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Big day. It's a big day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not so big. <laughs> Just another one off the. Yeah, we actually have a lot of October birthdays at our church, it seems like. Do we? I feel like there's been, yeah, yeah lots of birthdays going on. Mm. Uh, Andrea Ellis celebrated a birthday the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I think, well, maybe Karen was end of September with uh, Adam Barker. A lot of Octobers. Who, I'm trying to remember who else has been recently. There's been several. I hope we're not missing somebody that's mad at us right now. I know, now. yeah. No, there's, I, I've, uh, there's been a whole bunch recently. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also... This month, I guess, Pastor Appreciation. Yeah, we did the Pastor Appreciation. It's always on the same month as my birthday, which yeah. is fitting. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, my first one. Squeeze them in. in some ways. Yeah, um, I feel appreciated. A lot did, of people. Did you get appreciated? Yeah, I yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, if you wrote me a note or gave me a card or a note and a card um, and a gift, thank you so much. It was wonderful. It really touched me and Natalie. Yeah, uh, to to read your your uh, care of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to say anything to you. I didn't even know we were doing that that day. I didn't either. I forgot. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't know. When we that didn't was. get to appreciate each other, right? Yeah. Do you yeah. want to appreciate me now? I will. <laughs> I thought I might. On your birthday. <laughs> Did you plan to do this? I thought. You know, this is a good to opportunity to oh, to talk about you. Mm. You got. You can't look away from me while I'm doing that. <laughs> It's not unlike when you were talking to your wife during the sermon the oh other day. Oh my gosh! Looking, looking, piercing through me because she was sitting right behind me. I saw in you your, in your uh, line of sight. I saw you literally like <laughs> shrinking around, like trying to veer your head. Well, you're back. making like all these sweet, intimate like affirmations uh-huh. of your wife, but you're having to look through me to her. And so, yeah, I tried to get out of your way by sort of ducking my head. <laughs> it was very sweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, yeah, I got to honor her. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, and and that was my like I loved doing that, and that's that was the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Is that that's uh, for someone that you love, you you do that. But um, uh, with it being my first, like uh, I'm in full time ministry now um, as a pastor, uh, I would not I would not be doing that without you. Um, I I've been at the church for over five years now, um, and I came here someone who. Had really wanted to do ministry, but that pathway had 
at least in a healthy way, had kind of closed. And I didn't really know. I kind of, I would have been fine. I had a good job. I was figuring things out. But um, you made a pathway for me to, to not just get here, but actually to get in and <laughs> Well, we and started walking through a wooded area together, and <laughs> we forged a pathway. Yes. I don't know that I laid one out for you. Yes. I wish I was that good yeah. of a leader. But I, I would not, I, I don't think I would be in full-time ministry at all. Um, that, 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 that door would not have been opened for me without mm-hmm. you. And, uh, not only just like the actual door opening, but you discipling me into being able to do that. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I appreciate you. And one of the reasons I, I want to do that is because all those years ago, even to now, you were a guy I saw that. I thought to myself, I could follow this man into battle. Hmm. Um, hmm. And now I get to do that alongside <laughs> you in some ways, and uh, and it's been... Yeah, not a lot of people at our church right now don't know um, kind of how that started for yeah. us, right? But like you and Scotty showed up about the same time, mm-hmm. along with a handful of other people, and I'm, I met with, what, five of you guys? Yeah, something like that. One night on our back porch, there's like five younger guys in our church and kind of all, I don't know, seemingly to several of you interested in ministry, all of you serious about your relationship with Jesus. And I had kind of always wanted to have a a young, like a a discipleship group with young men who I could try to help grow into and develop into leaders and and all that. And so I, I got together with like five of you and threw out an idea that I'd had and sort of put it on paper and laid it out before you guys and you and Scotty were dumb enough to go, Hey, yeah, I'll rearrange my life and do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we started sort of down a road of doing a, uh, like a, a leadership development group together. And it was you and Scotty and I, mm-hmm. and I had no idea, right. It would lead to where we are. So it's yeah, no clue. It's completely wild that it has yeah. produced this, but so this was starting in January of 2019, I think. Yeah, because this was right at the end of the calendar year, yes. twenty eighteen. So yes. January twenty nineteen, you, Scotty, and I start mm-hmm. meeting and walking through tons of material, and mm-hmm. and we met every Wednesday for a year and a half for like four hours. Yeah, and uh, overlapped with another group that started a year into that or whatever um, that consisted of Ryan Goldsmith and Matt Anderson and Tyler Hoitzma and Matt Ock. Uh, Matt Ock, yeah, started that with us. Uh, he's no longer well. A couple of those guys are gone from the church mm-hmm. now, but. Um, well, yeah, so we started January 2019, went through into COVID, finished during that time, did 18 months together, spent four hours walking, like doing a lot of content, but also sharing a lot of life Yeah, and talking a lot about ministry. And mm-hmm. um, and that was such a gift to me, even at the time, just having that that place to pour into you guys and, um, and to spend time together and gave me some sense of, hey, we've got some young energy growing in our church and leaders and... Um, mm-hmm. And then it was coming, let's see, that was, so we finished that during 2020 and it was the fall, it was a year later that you started seminary or was it that year? Oh, this was, this was like summer of COVID that I started. You did start that year? RTS. Okay. That would have been. Yeah. So we finished in like May, June June of 2020. Yeah. We finished May, June and then you started seminary right Mm -hmm. away. Um, And then obviously you did that for three years. Which I couldn't have done. Would, I wouldn't have done that unless it was right. for you and the church and supporting me. And yeah, um, I think just, we brought Scotty on that fall full time yeah. after you started seminary. So it's super. Like I, 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 I've talked to people about that, going like that was about as fruitful as anything I've ever done in ministry. Was yeah, taking yeah. that year and a half with you guys because uh-huh. yeah. it's led to some really sweet yeah. things. Yeah, um, so. I uh, just I'm so thankful for all the opportunities yeah. you've given me. Well, and uh, and the. Uh, I'm thankful you guys are. Yeah. I'm thankful you threw in your lot with me then, but mm-hmm. um, thankful that is probably even more thankful you guys have stuck it out with me yeah. and yeah. Uh, helped yeah. to. I mean, y'all's imprints are on our church mm-hmm. too, and yeah. um, I feel genuinely um, fulfilled working not just as a team, but with this team. And yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure I'd be in ministry if it wasn't for you guys. <laughs> yes, you would. Uh, You've been doing it a long, before, long time for us. Yeah, and probably a long time in the future coming up here. But uh, and then just the the faithful ministry to our church, um, especially even in areas that 
or the big areas, but hardly uh, people just assume this is this is easy. So stuff like preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, we were having a conversation with somebody the other day on Sunday. I was telling this to someone this morning. This we were you and I were standing there with somebody and. They were talking about me coming into my own as a preacher, and it's been awesome, you know, getting to do that and everything. And and I said something that I think they didn't they didn't understand, and it didn't make sense. And I said, "But I'm not spiritually mature enough to do this for 40 Sundays a year." <laughs> um, and you knew exactly what I meant in some ways, not necessarily an indictment against me, but you knew what I meant. The other person did not. And what I mean by that is the the spiritual burden and stamina you have to have to preach God's word, live it for yourself, wrestle with it each week before you have to stand in front of people and serve it to them, um, and love a church and love a family. Those those three things are impossible to do, honestly, all in one week. <laughs> it was funny. Like, this is not to, like... Uh, you know, elevate uh-huh. me in any way on this, but like you had come in a couple weeks ago, pretty frazzled with uh, Natalie was working that weekend, yeah, and you yeah. had a, a rough time with um, Kuiper. Kuiper the night before, mm-hmm. and so you're like, man, I've just never come in to preach this, <laughs> this, this like out of sorts before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just real discombobulated yeah. internally from getting him ready and getting here to church. And <laughs> I just remember I stopped and I prayed with you that morning, mm-hmm. just prayed over you. But I, but I did. I was like, oh, this is. This is getting real now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Because I was yeah. like, this is, yeah. I don't know, this is about 50% of Sundays for me for yeah, the last yeah, 10 yeah. years. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny. But so it's, there's a real cost here, um, and we yeah. all get to benefit from yeah, it. Yeah, you know, you say that, and I, I think there's probably a way of doing it that, that isn't as costly, maybe. But I think if, like you and I would aspire to, like we've, you know, call our church to and where we allow the word of God before we preach with any kind of spiritual mm-hmm. authority, we have to give it authority over us. And like you said a second ago, just to wrestle with the text each yeah. week. And re- but the truth is, is like part of it's like letting it wrestle you to the ground yeah. each week. Yeah. Um, and and you don't the, know what that's going to cost you and how long that's going to yeah, take. And I've never really thought about it that way until yeah. you just said that. But like, there's a, you know, I remember back in high school when like wrestlers, like I just remember watching wrestling practice. And I mean, it's just a different kind of conditioning mm-hmm. where it's like you're in this clinch for, you know, minutes at a time. And it's mm-hmm. like in two to three minutes, these jokers sweat more than yeah. than an hour and a half basketball practice or whatever. And uh, in, a, in a way, there is something like that going on. And you think about Jacob being wrestled um, mm-hmm. by this figure, you know, on his mm-hmm. way back to the to Bethel or whatever and, yeah. and his journey back from um, being with Laban and... Um, and there's something like that almost that has to happen again every yeah. week where you're like digging into the text and this mm-hmm. word uh, exerts this kind of pressure on you or yeah. this kind of, in the best way. In the best way, yes. Um, but but it means each week you got to let a part of you die again to be able to, to try to, I guess, wrestle with, like you've got to die so that Christ can live in you and then you're going to try to present that life-giving word to mm-hmm. people in need of nourishment. And yeah. Yeah, so there's like a, a little mini death and resurrection that almost has mm-hmm. to happen each week. And yes. So. And we're very thankful for you yeah. that you do that on our behalf and well, then serve it to us. Yeah. As, well, I appreciate you acknowledging it, saying it. Um, you're you're learning to, to do it more mm-hmm. in that, that sort of unrelenting, <laughs> unrelenting yeah. cadence of week after week. But, yeah. Um, but, uh yeah, man, it's um, it's a joy to do this with you and to see you coming into who God's created you to be. You know, I think about that passage in Timothy where Paul says, uh, you know, exhorts Timothy to fulfill your ministry, mm-hmm. right? And um, in some sense, maybe there's there's commonality across all pastoral ministry, and then there's things that are unique to every pastor. And mm-hmm. so it's fun to get to be a part of seeing you become the pastor that God's called you to be and mm-hmm. stepping into to have the ministry that God's given you being shaped and formed and developing and um, sort of parts of that that maybe there's a vision for, but still, again, discovering that together mm-hmm. a little bit and then trying to see what that looks like, all like us together for yeah. at least this str- this this leg of the journey. Right? Yeah. So. And I think the 
the one of the the links between you and I from the beginning has been just an absolute commitment but also an absolute passion for the reality of the immensity of God both in the scriptures that we read and learn and 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 even teach and for God in the world and it would mm-hmm. just a that's what I'm talking about when I mean like you know I could follow this person in the battle like mm-hmm. someone who's just like there is no there's not another bottom line there's not another foundation than than a having just a huge vision for who God is yeah um a raw unedited total devotion to the glory of God in both the scriptures and in life those are the things that that I think are the lifeblood yeah I think we both had in some ways we had some similar upbringings in that we came out of families that were the, as they were real Christians 100% right we were in churches that that Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Love the Lord. Preach the word. Loved us. Love the word. Um, and so we probably came to a sort of spiritual, like you came later to a conscious decision to follow Jesus than mm-hmm. I did. But but not dissimilar from me. Like, I mean, you know, when, even when you come to faith young, even if it's genuine, like there's a, an aspect of you have, every, we all, we're all developing in our theological understanding of things and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily perceive this as a deficiency in the environment I grew up in or you, but, but there's probably in our early twenties, there's almost like whether it be, well, yours may have been closer to the point of your first, like your actual conversion. I had a a young conversion, walked with the Lord, but there was like a point in life where I came to a sort of almost what was like a second conversion almost for me. And I don't think it, I'm not, you can't be converted twice, but, but there was like this, this stage of my life where, all of this sort of stuff at a theological level, it was all too small. Mm-hmm. And and well, I needed it to make sense in everyday life or it wasn't going to matter for me anymore. Yeah. And then and then there was just the ways in which God became so big. Yes. And um and I realized like and I and I'm still I think I think that set me on a journey back in my early twenties or mid twenties to where I'm still discovering mm-hmm and rediscovering uh, the immensity, as you said a minute ago, of who God is. But I think there became, like, it's funny how, like, at 16, 17, 18, you could think, I kind of understand this God thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And now I've spent the last 20 years, like, consciously going, like, there's so much here than I Mm -hmm. could ever hope to find. Yes, yes. Um, And so, really, what do we want to do on this episode today is relate to some of the stuff we've been preaching about um, in our own lives and how it's worked out for us. Because I think some of the things that I've been preaching over the last few weeks, some of the things we're going to preach together over the next few weeks are are so foundational doctrinally to what we believe and what we teach. But it's I think it's really helpful sometimes to, to hear how that doctrine and that truth has been How's it been cultivated in our own lives? How did mm-hmm. how, what was our experience? There's probably a lot of some people in our church. I would probably say a lot, who like the stuff I talked about this Sunday about the centrality of God in the Scriptures that God is for His name and for His glory, and that's mm-hmm. like the theme of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, like I imagine, like me when I first saw that, my reaction was years ago. No one ever showed me this. Mm-hmm. Like I know the Bible. Like I can quote it. Like, I, but I've never seen. This, yeah, this is, this is a way of seeing and viewing and like grounding who I believe God is and I am, in a way that kind of rips the training wheels off of what I thought this thing was about, mm-hmm. and uh, like we've had that experience, yeah, over you know periods of time, and so thinking through some of these big truths and how they've been sifted in our own walks with the Lord is, I think, helpful. Because, yeah. I, man, I, I remember when I heard what I, the stuff that I preached this Sunday. I heard that when I was, oh, 19, maybe. Uh, I had grown up in church my whole life. 
Um, and I had become a Christian in that, in that recent, like in, within like a year before that, basically. And uh, loved the Lord, had a, just an amazing conversion uh, where God just really did a huge work in my life. Um, and went to a great church. I mean, I, I don't have complaints. Um, but no one had told me, I don't, if you would ask me, what's the theme of the Bible? What's, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could have answered that question coherently. I don't know that I, I wouldn't have been able to put a point on it. Yeah. And I don't think when people asked me what happened to me, like in terms of, you know, you got converted, I, I would have, I would have said things like, yeah, I just decided to follow Jesus, which is not untrue. Sure. Uh, but I didn't really have words for what I actually experienced, which was so much bigger than just, I, I just decided to start doing the Jesus thing. <laughs> and so I go to this little conference. It's actually a big conference with a bunch of other students. There's like 60,000 young people every year that go to this conference in downtown Atlanta. Passion City Church puts it on. It's called Passion. And, and it's usually a bunch of young speakers, right? Yeah. A bunch of young, you know, usually whoever's big in the youth ministry except, scene. Except and, for one guy. Except for one guy. I'd never seen him before in my life. They bring him up in the morning session. He walks up. You know, I'm like, this guy's older than my grandpa. He's got a tweed jacket on. You know, they, they get this big pulpit out they, that they sit him out in front. He walks up, no stories, no jokes, opens his Bible, and he preaches 2 Corinthians chapter 4, mm. and it changed my life. Mm. It, it was John Piper. It was John Piper. <laughs> a, a, a man named John Piper, if you don't know who he is. It changed my life, James. It took me to another stratosphere. It scared the heck out of me. Mm. It scared me to death. And I felt robbed. I felt like, is this true? When, when he showed me that the point of the world is God's glory and God's namesake, mm-hmm. and what happened to me was an explosion of God's glory... <laughs> in my life, yeah, uh, it, it it changed. Me. I I don't I don't know how to put words on that. For the first time ever, even as a Christian, the world was no longer about me. Yeah, it and I and it literally changed a, everything about it's me. It's not as if to say that you and I don't struggle each and every day like everybody else sure. with making life about us. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like there's like our our pride is has to be. <laughs> Slain and re-slain all mm-hmm. the time, uh, but there is a convictional shift. Yes, where despite my fleshly assertion of ego and pride and wanting my comfort or my affirmation, my feeling good and comfort or whatever, all that stuff in life, I like from a sim- from a time in my life forward, it was like oh, the same about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a chronic unhealthy, dysfunctional propensity that gravitates back to making things about me. Mm-hmm. But I have a deep abiding conviction in the end mm-hmm. at a conscious level that that is not at all what this is about. It is about him. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, 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 a thing I can reset on all the time. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about I, sh- I need to, at some point when you're around my brother, he lives in uh, Lilburn. Yeah. He and his wife met at the one day conference where seashells was preached. Oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like the day of that was when yeah. they met. Um, that's a little inside thing that nobody listening probably knows about. But um, it was a Piper message back then. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I, um, I, I, I want to be careful here because sure. you preach something on Sunday that some of our people may have never heard before. Yeah. Maybe you have. Maybe, maybe that was a new idea to you on Sunday of like the essence of your message being that God is for his own glory, that God is for God, that God is a self-promoting mm-hmm. God. Yes. And rightly so. Yes. Um, and that the entire world and all people exist and all things exist and happen for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of like big God, big glory, his purposes being, you know, the praise of his own name in these things. That is jarring for a lot of us. Maybe some of us in the way of like, we just have a hard time accepting that or getting on board with it. But for some of us like you, where that explodes in, you felt lied to. 
Yeah. Because you did grow up in the church and you grew up in a Christian family. Yeah. And, and in certain ways, maybe the way that it's presented was new. I also want to be like, what we don't want to produce any of if, if, if what, if that kind of is preached Sunday and that's the first time you've heard that, or if in the context of life here at Generations, you've come to this awareness of, of a big God that you yeah. kind of undersold mm-hmm. <laughs> for your, the rest of your life or was un, like, was downplayed in some ways to you within other Christian environments. It may or may not be true mm-hmm. that you were lied to. At some point, like, you know, our hearts aren't ready to receive or perceive the things that are always, you know, there's plenty of things that we're going to teach and preach here that people aren't going to hear and get. Yeah. Just because they weren't ready or they weren't receptive to it or it didn't land. But, but whether it be that you weren't told that or taught that well, or whether it be that your heart just didn't grab hold of it, the point is not to get mad at anybody. Sure, 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 <laughs> who, sure, sure. Who, who, like, if you got gypped, like, we don't want to yeah. produce a bunch of resentful, like, yeah. oh, man, I got, I got, like, they, 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 and I, I what missed I, the biggie on the eye chart. Where I'm I not. Up. I'm not saying that there no. was a there was a willful. Oh, we see that, and we don't want to do that. Sure. It, it was more like, you know, when you just when something's been there for so long, mm-hmm. and you've been around it so much, yeah. and yet you didn't see it at all. Right. You just didn't see it. Right. You just didn't, and nobody should, like, and everybody, everywhere around you, like in mm-hmm. every environment, you know, for, yeah. like just no, and then and then you see it. Yeah. And. And you can't ever unsee it. You can't it. ever unsee it, right? Yeah, it's like the cat's out of the bag yeah. and it can't get put yeah. back in. So that's like there, there's a there's a factor of, oh, my gosh, this is something there that I need to – it's there, and I've never seen it. The other question is, how do I react to it? Is yeah. it actually – does it change who I thought God is in a way that unsettles me, mm-hmm. in a way that maybe – you don't know if you're actually supposed to like, or maybe you, it, it you don't like in mm-hmm. some ways. So, like one one of the things that Piper has said before is, he says, "Why is it important to be stunned by the God-centeredness of God? Because many people are willing to be God-centered as long as they feel that God is man-centered. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle danger." We may think we are centering our lives on God when we are really making Him a means to our own self-esteem. I think that's the place right there where we can unknowingly kind of be disappointed in who God is when we see this because we've had a conception sometimes of like God is most in all things for us. Mm. Like, we're we're cool with the God-centered thing as long as, like, God is me-centered. You see, it's it's subtle. Yeah. It's really small, but it's a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I I know that, for me, what was subtle, what subtly developed in young James and Christian environments across the board was a very subtle prosperity gospel that was God is really good. He's really powerful. Um, and, and there was this idea that if I will be faithful in these ways, morally, mm-hmm. interpersonally, yeah. you know, work hard, stay clean, you know, mm-hmm. these things, then this God would make my life pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so if I, if I didn't slip into these areas of sinful patterns and yeah, whatever yeah. and ruin my life by those, then I would secure for myself a very comfortable and yeah. life. And so it absolutely had something to do with my own, uh, yeah, my own kind of ease and enjoyment of, of life. Like I could secure blessing for myself, which there's an element of truth in that. Absolutely. There's a, there's a, there's a streak of something there. Yeah. I mean, God gives us his revelation because he has a, the vision of human flourishing. Yeah. But it's as if, Difficulty, pain, and suffering had no divine design behind it. Mm-hmm. And that that wasn't part of the equation. That I could spare myself from those things if I would, you know, if I played my hand rightly, then God would make sure I didn't have any of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and really, a more crass way to say that is, in that conception, God is really a means to getting you something yeah. than being the end of right. 
of what you want. Right. right? So, so Piper says, the acid test of biblical God-centeredness and faithfulness to the gospel is this. Do you feel more loved because God makes much of you or because at the cost of his son, he enables you to enjoy making much of him forever? Does your happiness hang on seeing the cross of Christ as a witness to your worth or as a way to enjoy God's worth forever? Is God's glory in Christ the foundation of your gladness? Mm. See the difference there? Yeah. I, I think a lot of us have been, uh, both from a cultural level and a broader kind of some of the uh, ways the church has, has framed who God is and how he loves, ha- have thought of the ultimate fountain of God's love mm-hmm. is his love for us. Mm. Well, if, if that's true, then before us, what was God's love? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. So like somehow we complete God. Yes. Which is... Which is like a Jerry Maguire way of looking uh, at spirituality. Yeah, it's not, right? it's not it's, the God of the Bible, right? But, but so, so the, the, the acid test that he's talking about here is, is the reason we love God because he has done something so that we can love and enjoy him? Or is the only reason we love God is because he's put some sort of, uh, because he has this great worth in us? Mm-hmm. As if we're just kind of, it's contractually, he needs us for the worth and the love, and, and we need him to, like, get out of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sounds beautiful sometimes how we sing that way, but it yeah. actually doesn't make sense. It's and a mutually beneficial arrangement. It's a needy God who actually, and we're just the people who meets that need for him. Mm-hmm. Not the God of the Bible. Yeah. Like the, the ultimate worth of the gospel is that God does something so that we can see his glory and be rejoined to him. So what does that make the gospel? The point of the gospel is not to forgive sins. Mm. Forgiving sins is something in the way of getting to the point of the gospel, Mm -hmm. which is for us to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if we think the end of the gospel is just to get us out of sins, out of hell, into paradise... If we think that's the ends, mm-hmm. then we've missed what God's doing in the gospel. Right, right. Which I, I think some of us have thought that way, maybe. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I mean, we can all still slip into that. I think that's the default nature of kind mm-hmm. of where things drift in all of us. If we aren't consciously, um, deliberately pursuing a different a different thought and a different idea, um, a different value. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think that's the nature of what sin does to us and its own like contorting is that like, so essentially, I mean, and you've heard me say this a zillion times, but, but this is hard for us to get our heads around. And, and this is one of the fruits of, of coming to a big God theology for me mm-hmm. has been to realize that my chief sin, my sin that's beneath all my, all my sin the thing that is most in the way of me living for God's glory, the thing that's most in the way of, of me loving my wife, loving my children, loving our church, like serving people, mm-hmm. loving, pouring myself out, like a fruitful life for me, the thing that is most in the way of all of it is my small thoughts of God. Yeah. That, that, I like and and I genuinely believe this is true that in all of my efforts to study to write to preach to teach to lead people to God I've never had a thought of God lofty enough and big enough and immense enough to actually perceive God in all of his godness mm-hmm. right all of my thoughts are but like there's degrees mm-hmm. <laughs> within yeah. that. And, and the thing that like are the ways in which I diminish the, um, the perfections of God, the absolute worth, worth of God, the consequentialness of God, like that is, that's the greatest thing holding me back yeah. from all the things that God would have for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's in my small thoughts of God that I settle for less than 
communion with God in any given moment or less than obedience to God or honoring God. Because in the end, I don't actually believe that God is worthy of being so treasured and 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 so worshipped that I would give myself so fully to him and everything. Instead, in in certain moments, um, I would much rather just watch sports and I'd rather... Um, cook and eat a good meal. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd rather, yeah. like, there's a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. that I would settle for as a surrogate, momentary sort of substitute God. Yeah. I mean, so this, this goes back to what we see the root of sin as. So, like, if you could think of the root of sin, I think one of the best pictures that God gives us is in Jeremiah. He says, My people have committed two evils. Mm hmm. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate, the everything, mm-hmm. the ultimate end, the ultimate joy, everything, the fountain of living waters. That's the first evil they've committed. Second evil, they've dug cisterns for themselves that can hold no water. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sin. Mm-hmm. That's Adam. That's me. That's yep. everybody from here till the Lord comes back. We have decided, ultimately, God's not good enough. And we can find a better way. Mm-hmm. So, Roman, and Romans 1 similarly says, right, that though we know God, we don't honor mm-hmm. him as God, yeah. and we do not give thanks to him. Yeah. And our foolish hearts are darkened yeah. because of it. So our biggest problem is always we have not turned to a God-centered life, to a God-centered theology, to a God-centered, to the immensity of who God is. Yeah, that actually gives us to turn away from those broken cisterns. Yeah, that we've and one of the from. one of the great distortions in uh, in the the life of Israel in the Old Testament and in the life of the church uh, in the New Testament and in church history and in our own day is this tendency that we have to have God in the orbit of our lives, but mm-hmm. not at the center of our lives. To not to we don't he orbit orbits around. us. We don't orbit him. Correct. And we 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 want to we want him there. We want like he, we want him to accessorize our lives mm-hmm. and 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 maybe adorn our lives in yeah. some way. But we don't want him to be our very life. Mm-hmm. We don't want him to be like overly assertive or too in control or <laughs> yeah. like. There's certain parts about that that we're like, oh, hold on, like no God, like we want to kind of define his job description for him and kind of. Um, protect certain parts of our lives from him because we don't want him to ask too much or do too mm-hmm. much with us. And so we kind of, we confine him to certain areas and certain activities in our lives and certain spaces um, rather than going all in. Yeah. So how is this, how is this, how is this kind of God-centered recalibration changed how you read scripture over the years? Well, so I came to this at some level, I was I was I had done some reading where something of Piper's theology was kind of making its way into my mm-hmm. frame of reference. Anyway, yeah, not not exactly the way that Piper says it or whatever, but like some of the people that would be around, you know, in agreement with doctrinally where he yeah, is yeah. and stuff. But I remember I was so I was getting some new things that I was considering and wrestling with, and and I'll tell you where it opened up for me, Second Timothy three. I'm reading through the one-year Bible. I don't know. We're probably three years into marriage, two years into marriage, something like that. And I'm, I'm wrestling with a lot of things at a personal level. And I'm wrestling with a lot of things theologically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm sort of new-ish into marriage, and we've got twins. And so I'm overwhelmed by the responsibility of being 24, three kids, yeah. a wife, all this stuff. And it happened pretty fast in our lives. And... So I'm going through that, and I remember I'm reading through the one-year Bible, and this one day as I'm just reading, you know, you, you read the equivalent of something like three or four chapters a day in the Bible to do that. So I'm re- trying to read through the Bible in a year, and um, it must have been in the fall because 2 Timothy is towards the back end of that, right? And I, uh, and I come to 2 Timothy 3 where it says that uh, it refers, Paul refers to Timothy as um, needing to continue to study the Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. And that line, with other things that were coming at me in that time, frame, just th- that line sort of jumped off the page and grabbed hold of my mind and my heart mm. and, like, did not let go. 
And it was like all of a sudden, he's writing in a New Testament letter to Timothy, his protege, that the scriptures, and in Paul's writing, he's referring to the Old Testament scriptures, that these are able to make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the unity of scripture as an idea, the coherence and enmeshment of all of these things, sort of the, the way they're threaded together, telling mm-hmm. one big story, all of that came together for me in this moment of like just seeing that verse of going, hold on, if all Timothy had was Genesis through Malachi, Paul's audacious enough to claim that he could come to salvation in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. from just those yeah. books of scripture. And that, that it probed into a place in my heart that piqued my curiosity yeah. and that kind of, I was, I was jarred by it. I was like, what? That doesn't make really. And so it, that set me on a sort of like, wait, if that's true, then I've missed some things. I've mm-hmm. missed like some really big things. Yeah, for sure. And I went back to the drawing board with scripture and I've never been, it, that's one of those things that like once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Yeah. Yeah. And that gripped my imagination. And as I went back into scripture with that idea, it started like all these things just started to awaken for me. Yeah. And I became sort of, so this is when I was sort of re, it was almost like a reconversion to where I, mm-hmm. I became very enchanted with these things. Yeah. You know, at that point. Yeah. I think there's definitely a connection for your experience in mind of so I, I grew and by up by the way I'm still getting uh, that was that's at least 15 maybe 16 years ago now yeah. and and I became a more diligent student of the scriptures after that than sure. I was before but I'm still on an almost maybe weekly if not at least monthly basis I'm still discovering things like that that make mm-hmm. me go what yeah. What? Are you serious? I've never seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a connection between the more you start seeing Christ in the scriptures, mm-hmm. the bigger your theology of God gets. Mm. Like, those two things definitely coincided for me. So, one of the things we're talking about, I, I th- if you could put, uh, again, we, we had wonderful upbringings and good Christian churches and pastors who are faithful and but I like here was here was a most of the the preaching particularly from the Old Testament was was look at the Old Testament narrative and find ways in which we can connect to the the characters in that story so that we can be more faithful like them or not mess up like them yeah um, yeah, kind of moral life lessons. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. You could, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, no. I think there's legitimate there's legitimacy to pointing those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hardly ever had a time where I started to see in the scriptures from a lot of the teaching that was given to me. And this isn't just, I mean, this is broad across the board in many ways, in a lot of circles, where you say, okay, here's, here's how Christ connects to this story, or here's where actually the... The New Testament actually says you can see Christ in that story, mm-hmm. or, or or here's where like this is supposed to point you to the greater reality of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, I've ne- never seen any of that right. until I started one started to read the Bible for okay, how can I get a bigger vision of God? Yeah. Once I started saying how can I get a bigger vision of God, that coincided with oh the bigger vision of God is always pointing me to Christ mm-hmm. and so when I put those two things together obviously not on my own but with the help of uh, a lot of good teaching sure. you start to see Christ in the text mm-hmm. and the glory of God gets bigger in, in, right. in your life and, and, I, and, I'm yeah, more, well, and I think the reason for that is because you start to see okay so if you think big God you have to think sovereign God Yes, like that's a word that comes to mind Yes, you have to think the providence of God like yes. these are big categories of a big yes. God theology yes. And when you start to see Christ in all of these things, you start to see the the orchestration. Yes, that's a really good word for it. Yeah, you see just how God has intended and worked out and brought about His purposes. Yes, in such a compelling and beautiful and kind of breathtaking way. Yeah. So, so it's it's almost like there's three things happening there. You're your theology of God gets bigger. Mm-hmm. You start to see Christ in all of Scripture, and your confidence 
and your love of the beauty of Scripture gets bigger as well. Mm-hmm. All of those three things for me were happening at the same time. Right. It was like this, this confidence and beauty and, oh my yeah. gosh, there's so much in the Scripture. I haven't t- tapped this. I, I'm not even going to ever come close yeah, to yeah, yeah. getting all this. And, oh my gosh, Christ, he's weaved through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like he is the the melodic line, as we've talked about in other environments, yeah. of the whole Bible. Right. That's taking all of these diverse authors, texts, periods, genres, and you can see Christ weaving a thread through them all to mm-hmm. come out on the into the New Testament. And then the glory of God being the thing that you... That's what I'm looking for in the text. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I get mm-hmm. a greater vision of God in Christ through this unified, inspired text? Yeah. And like, stuff just starts firing in on all yeah. cylinders in some ways. Yeah, I think... And that's, that's one of those things that we probably, at some level in the church, developed when I was growing up, like the ability to kind of... You read scripture... And then you start looking for application, um, you know, pretty quick. And oh, how do I apply this to yeah. my life? And da, 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 we instinctually da. do that. But but uh, what what I started to learn was that like the Bible's not first and foremost about us; it's about God. And so yeah. you don't ever want to move on to like how do I live until you've, in some way, kind yeah. of reckoned with yeah. who is God. Big in this text. What's this text if, telling me about? If who you God want is? a hands-on rubber meets the road application of the sermon on Sunday, there it is. Mm. <laughs> Read the Bible first to find who God is and what's his glory right. in this in this right. narrative or this passage. Yeah. I mean, another scripture that jumped off for me, uh, you know, when I was in that time was, you'd mentioned it on Sunday, I think, Psalm 23, which I had learned and memorized as a kid mm-hmm. and heard my whole life. And there was a sort of... Um, an almost sentimentality to that passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. There's yeah. like a, ah, like so nice. Right. But, yeah. but then there's, as he goes on, n- number one, he talks about, um, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yeah. Huh? So somehow in God's goodness and kindness and shepherding of me, I'm going to be, I'm going to find myself as David did there being chased by Saul, being pursued by a man who had authority and power and wanted mm-hmm. to kill him. And so he's on the hunt and you're on the run. And David come, came to a knowledge of this God and was able to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Yes. So that somehow in the crossfire, in the midst of like in this valley, in this dark place of where you're the target and you've got enemies Which God is leading down, him through. God is with you there. He's trafficking in that dark space. Mm-hmm. He's lingering with you. And in fact, he's setting up a little table for you to come and sit and dine with him and have fellowship with him. Mm-hmm. And like that idea that I'm like, okay, so that David, that's what David that, that starts to open up for me. And then he says that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his yeah. name's sake. All yeah. these things are, as you pointed out Sunday, yeah. for his name's sake. And then he says, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me. So David had a big enough view of God mm-hmm. that he came to an understanding of Saul's pursuit of him to kill him was actually the pursuit of the living God of him to give him life. Yes. And I started going like, whoa, yeah. like that's a whole different way of yeah. reading that. that I mean... He was willing to sit at the table yeah. in the midst of his enemies so he could be with God. Yeah. So, like, it, that's why he can say, yeah. I've desired one thing, one thing that I ask, that I can behold the face of the Lord mm-hmm. in his temple. So, like, what we're talking about earlier, means or ends of the gospel. Uh, a question that you, I, I want everyone to wrestle with is, if you could have heaven, if you could have heaven, in the way we kind of think about it. No pain, no suffering, ultimate ease, feasts, all your family members. If you could have that and want that without Jesus, without the Lord, then you're not pursuing the same gospel. Right. This isn't like, you're not saved for that. So... A couple weeks ago, you went on vacation. Yeah. Right? You went to an all-inclusive resort. Yeah. And you came back from that resort, and you said, you know, this is great, 
it was it was nice to get away. But after a few days, paradise isn't paradise. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of times our view of what we think the end of all of this is, is basically an eternal all-inclusive resort. Yeah. But that without the presence of the Lord doesn't satisfy. Not satisfying. Yeah. Like, so, so again, is our ultimate end of life with God and love of the gospel so that we can be with this God whose glory is where we actually find our joy? Or is it just a means to, to get out of uh, forgiveness of sins and to have eternal life, you know, in, a, in an all-inclusive yeah, resort? I mean, essentially what you're saying is if, God, if you could have all the good gifts that you imagine that God is capable of giving you, if you could have all of them at an infinite level of, mm-hmm. of supply, but none of God, would you take it? Yeah. And I, and I do fear that a lot of people in American churches, yeah. if we were honest, would probably say yes to yes. that. And that would mean that God is, an, is a means. Yeah. He's not an end in your life. Yeah. So the, the question is, do we love the gospel so that we get to God? Or is God just a way to get us what we want? Yeah. That's a tough question. But it's like the, the entire conception of what the Bible wants to do for us mm-hmm. is dependent on the answer to the question. We want all of these obstacles out of the way so that we can be rejoined to our God. Yeah. It's a big thing. So the, one of the places where my, my mind was absolutely blown, and I, I literally, I remember, I remember having to reckon, is this really the God that I signed up for? Was reading through Philippians after I came home from that conference and kind of having my, my world rocked. And coming across, you know, Paul talking about this thing about whether his whether in his, in his life or his death, he'll honor the Lord with his body for him to live as Christ. Amazing verse. And I'm like, good for Paul, you know? And then Philippians 1, 29, For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Mm-hmm. He says... Christians granted. That means like a king grants something. That's God. Mm-hmm. He grants not only that you believe in him, gift from God. Mm-hmm. Another gift, suffering. Mm-hmm. Salvation and suffering. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Isaiah 48. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Why? For his sake. Yeah. Is that, the, do I love God enough? Do I want. M- not only salvation, but suffering for his sake. Right. I, ha- I had to wrestle with that. Yeah, for sure. I had to wrestle with that. I didn't know if that was the God I actually wanted to sign yeah. up for. No, and I mean, I, I, I suspect some of, our, some of our listeners could identify with this too and would, and would have examples from their own life. But like some of the sweetest, richest depths of connection with the Lord that I've ever had and, mm-hmm. and have grown toward have been in the deepest pain that I've experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Like, we all know how this makes us more dependent upon the Lord, um, how it makes us run to Him and cry out to Him oftentimes, although it could also be the thing that makes us want nothing to do with Him. Yeah. Because He could deliver us from it and He doesn't or something like that. Mm-hmm. But but I have found that that um, it's in the taking away of things I cherish and treasure so that I'm left with maybe, it's too dramatic to say nothing except God, but certainly less of the things I want that... God becomes this, he starts to show his all-sufficiency in a different kind of way that I would never discover if I had everything else Mm -hmm. kind of coddled in my life. Yeah. Um, So I get more of him when I get less of (laughs) all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, Well, it's like, you've said this for years about John the Baptist. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say your line. (laughs) <laughs> I, well, I, John, John the Baptist says he must increase and I must decrease. And I think the, the 21st century Western Christian mindset is mostly he must increase, but it probably would be good for me to increase alongside him and that would help him actually increase all the more or something like that, mm-hmm. which we don't recognize it, but it's actually an anti-Christian thought. It's like a t- completely contrary to the gospel way of 
It contradicts thinking. the very verse that you're about to say. Yeah. So, uh, the very verse? Yeah, John the Baptist. The one that I just did say. Yeah, 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 the, one yeah. He, the one you said. Yeah, so the, the idea is that more of him and less of me, yeah. not more of both. Yeah. Yeah. As he increases, we decrease. Yeah. That's the, that's the logic mm-hmm. of God in us. And that's a logic I think we... we Everything in me fights against that. We, we don't think it's common sense, and we don't think it's yeah. moral sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, that's a difficult thing to, like, embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you have other things. Like, a couple of the things that just have come to mind that I've been thinking about since Sunday. So, like, here's, here's another one that I think is really cool. Like, glory is a big... That's a big idea. Massive, category. really hard to. I think one thing that I want to better, I want to just encourage us with is like. Well, number one, I'll tell you something super cool. Uh, the last two Sundays before this Sunday, I was serving in children's ministry. Mm-hmm. The first two Sundays in the history yes. of our church that I served in children's ministry. He preached a full sermon <laughs> to a children's ministry. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> um, I was just, I was just up there helping. We have great teachers. Joey and Dana taught one week, and my wife taught another week, and they're all way better at doing that at a level for kids and I couldn't do it. And so I'm just up there trying to not screw things up for them and just trying to play with the kids and have fun. And, uh, the week that Betsy taught, it was a shorter lesson. And so she was asking some questions about it and we were blown away at the way that our kids and our children's ministry were answering these questions. And uh, some of them, one of the questions we were, we were talking about doubting Thomas and, and the, the question was like, Hey, what are some things you struggle to believe that the Bible teaches us? Mm-hmm. And kids were like going, Oh, well, it's hard for me to believe that that Jesus died, but then actually really did rise again. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's hard for me to believe too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, And then you know, one of the things was like, I think one kid said like, it's hard to me, for me to believe that, that God has a purpose in all of this or something like that. Mm. And one of the other kids, I mean, we're talking about like a five, six year old kid goes, mm. well, God's going to get glory or God, God, uh, God does all things for his own glory or something like that. Uh-huh. He gives this answer mm-hmm. in our children's ministry a week yeah. before you preach a sermon that basically says all of that. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, Betsy and I were just like, this is amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. we were blown away. Um, I think she cried like two or three times that week telling other people about like uh-huh. that whole thing. But like, okay, that's a big idea. And how well mm-hmm. does that five or six-year-old kid understand that? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. But I was taught those things. Yeah. Here's what I know. Is that I was at the beach a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I have a category of glory that was given to me when I was young. And it's been woven into my psyche for many, many years. So when I sit on the beach and I behold immensity, ocean, sunrise, sunset, clouds, storms coming and going, when I behold all of that beauty and that terror, uh, like I know where to put it. Mm -hmm. Like, Like God created all of this and I feel my smallness. God created all of that for his glory, and yet he loves me still for yeah. his glory. Like, yeah. So I know where to put it. But some of it, I think, is just getting the right categories. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I can think back to when I was 12, going on my first international missions trip, and I was in Barcelona, Spain, with thousands of kids on YWAM teams from all over the world, gathered in Madrid, Spain, prior to, prior to the week before the Olympics in Barcelona in 1992. And I'm 12 years old on a mission trip I don't want to be on with mm-hmm. a meager aliveness to God, right? <laughs> and I have this breathtaking experience of, of worship in a context like that with people from all over the world, yeah. many of them students, speakers in all these different languages, songs in all these different languages, all this stuff, and all these people leaving after this week together to go out and do outreach ministry in all over Europe. What do you do with that at 12? Well, I didn't know at the time what to do with it, but as I start to grow and put things together, you start to go, oh, that, like, you start to see glory, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I got a category for that now, right? So, like, I think one of the cool things about getting big God theology and big ideas of glory firmly established in our minds is that we can properly categorize things in in our experience and in what we witness and, uh, and how God, you know, how God's working in the world. And now... I can also perceive something like the significance of um, sitting yesterday with my six-year-old daughter, who will be seven tomorrow, who's learning to read. She's in first grade. And just sitting there patiently as she kind of stumbles through these books that mm-hmm. she's reading through and putting words together and sounds together and all this. And yeah. it's like... That's, that could sound boring to me as it could sound boring to anybody else. 
but you preached on Sunday about glory, and I've got a category like that in my mind as she's reading there going like, this is glorious. I get to sit here with this this person that God's entrusted to my mm-hmm. care, and I get to love her and sit with her and shape her and watch her grow and develop and make her, like, mm-hmm. let her feel her the importance of, of who she is and her life and being a father who could give her some contact with what will she, you know, with the love of God. Not perfectly, obviously, but like, so you start to see glory seep into all these different experiences and these different parts of life. Yeah. I don't know. That's some of like the vivid richness that comes out of an ethereal or lofty idea of glory for me as I start to live with an awareness of it. And I I think one of the ways we want to cultivate cultivate that for people in their own lives is getting them to think God first which mm-hmm. takes it, it, it takes it takes viewing the Bible coming into some of these sermons that we're preaching and, and not asking the first thing what am I going to get out of this mm-hmm. what, what's the practical outcome of this if that's our first question then God is just a means to our practicality mm-hmm. but if our approach is Engaging with who God is is actually the thing that that gives me any categories for living this life. Mm-hmm. Then the more the more I I grow in a beauty in the beauty of understanding who God is, of the worship of who God is, of being able to not just have head knowledge but actually worship who God is. Mm-hmm. If that becomes the front burner for us, then it, it changes. Everything. I mean, it yeah. just changes everything. But it takes that flip. Yeah. To where this isn't just like God isn't just like a thing that helps me live a like a, a better life. Yeah. But God like is life, and like I, I have to engage Him in a way that like He is my priority. Yeah. Knowledge and, and truth and worship of Him are what gives me my framework in order to turn around and go live in light of that. And here's the shocking thing about that: if we come to that the, the gathered church. And we come not for just a practical help to, you know, do this better, do that better. Yeah. And there's certainly, certainly hope we hope that happens. I right? hope that but, <laughs> well, We came here to worship God. But if we come here to worship God, here's what 2 Corinthians 3 says. That, you know, it talks about Moses and Exodus, how he could not see God face to face and these things. But yeah. then he says We're gonna this. We're going to preach that passage in a couple weeks. Okay, well, I don't want to go too deep on it, but we'll give it a glancing blow. 2 Corinthians 3. Yeah. And we, yeah. now with unveiled faces, mm-hmm. all behold the glory of God. Yeah. And on top of that, we are being transformed ourselves from one degree of glory to the next. How? By beholding Christ. Yes. So our transformation from one degree of glory to the next. In other words, our rest, the restoration of the very image of God in mm-hmm. us from one degree to the next is happening not as you, you know, accomplish more things, get busier. Uh, I don't want to say it's like not being a better husband, being a better mm-hmm. father, you know, being a, a, a more patient, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mom or friend or whatever. All, it comes by beholding Christ. Yes. So as we come and we worship God and he gives us views of himself and he allows us to see him and, and know him and, and, yeah, behold him, all those things. That's how we're actually being reshaped and reformed into the image and likeness of, yes. of Christ. So here's here's the here's the practical practical outcome of beholding the glory of God in Christ is, and we'll we'll talk about this in in, in a much deeper way in a couple of weeks. You know, in that passage in Isaiah forty eight, it says, "I will give my glory to no other, no other, no other." By union with Christ and by the transformation of His Spirit. God invites us into his glory. Mm-hmm. We share in his glory. We share in the divine glory of the triune God. And if that's happening in you and in me, what that means then is as we as we come together mm-hmm. and as we walk together as brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. that I begin to see, again, this glory of God in you. Yes. And the glory of God in you starts to call out to me in some way and... Mm-hmm. You know, I start to see aspects of the very beauty of Christ and mm-hmm. and who Caleb is, and that starts to actually help me be stimulated to be more like Christ. Too. This it, is 
This is what in in through Christ ultimate image bearing looks like. Mm. It is actually sharing in the divine glory yeah. and witnessing and beautifying it in one another. Mm-hmm. Amazing. All right, we, we got to yeah. stop that. <laughs> we got to stop, <laughs> okay. we gotta stop right. that. Okay. Um, I think we've gone around <laughs> enough on this podcast. Okay. Uh, here is the point of all this, guys, is I hope that you can not just hear like we this today's podcast wasn't Caleb's five bullet points with yeah, a bunch got, of quotes, right? We got no notes other than I think you this was just Piper. we wanted you to hear our passion for these truths that absolutely shape the entire teaching ministry of this church. Yeah, the entire teaching ministry. Those those three pegs we were just saying that that we that kind of hit on all cylinders together seeing the glory of God and a big God theology, seeing Christ in all the scriptures and those things increasing our love and trust and beauty in what we believe about scripture. Those three things together are the lifeblood. They're the things that, that motivate us to, to this week and every week pick up the Bible, whether it be on Sunday mornings and discipling you at lunch or in our smaller environments, whatever it is. It's the reason we pick up the Bible and do what we do. Yeah. It is absolutely everything. We would die for this stuff. And, and here's, the, here's the, look, it's good news for you and for me that our lives and our world, our existence, our reality is not about us. Mm-hmm. That it's about God. Because if it's for the glory of God and we belong to God, then we can be really confident whatever it is you're going through. He's so not done with you. Mm-hmm. He's so not casting you aside. He is mm-hmm. so not going to fail you. Like what he's doing in you, however painful it might be, however much you can't see, however much uncertainty you're steeped in, in this moment, he is utterly committed to him. And that means he's utterly committed to you and he's going to get you through to yeah. the other side. <laughs> yeah. J.I. Packer used to say in, in situations of suffering, he said that, the answer to the question, why is this happening right now, may never come. Yeah. But the answer to the question, how can God be glorified in, in this, can always be answered. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll try to talk about next week how this applies to big stuff in our world. Like, God has things to say for his namesake and his glory. Mm-hmm. Not just about what's going on in our lives here, but about the global events of the world and what's going, the purposes of the world. This isn't... Again, I, I think I said this a couple weeks. God does not consider religion a private matter. Yeah. And so we want to try to think about some of these categories on a larger scale, not because we have answers to all sorts of things going on in the world, but we, we know who does and we know whose purposes are at work mm-hmm. in the world in big ways. So. And you know what's cool, too, is we just experienced a little bit here what you talked about, the C.S. Lewis quote you ended with on Sunday. Mm-hmm that talking about these things actually completes the enjoyment of yes. it, right? Like, yes. it's fun to talk about yes. this stuff. Like, yeah. um, it brings it back, like, in mm-hmm. terms of when it was first fresh for yes. me and for you. And then even now, like, there's this, it stimulates and yeah. and kind of stirs up these things all yeah. the more. So. Yeah. So we, we hope you just hear our, man, this is what we, this is what, this is what we love to do, <laughs> is sit here and talk about the love of God. In his glory. And uh, we hope that spills over to you. And uh, we will see you next week.